Today, we've got three guests who are going to talk about marketplaces in Singapore, how people from there are actually crushing it in the USA, and also sourcing in Vietnam as opposed to China. Plus, I'll be talking about how to meet me at my upcoming trips to Singapore, Vietnam, Korea, and Japan. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Are you browsing a Shopify, Walmart, Etsy, Alibaba, or Pinterest page and maybe you see a cool product that you want to get some more data on? Well, while you're on those pages, you can actually use the Helium 10 Chrome extension, Demand Analyzer, to get instant data about what's happening on Amazon for those keywords on these other websites. Or maybe you want to then follow up and get an actual supplier quote from a company on Alibaba.com in order to see if you can get this product produced. You can do that also with the Helium 10 Demand Analyzer. Both of these are part of the Helium 10 Chrome extension, which you can download for free at h10.me forward slash extension. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show. That's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. We are going to the other side of the world now for a special episode. We're going to have multiple guests this time. Um, and first, we're going to visit, uh, I believe, you are. are you in Singapore right now? That's right. Uh, nice to meet you, Bradley. Thank you for having me on the show. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks a lot for, for being here, Jordan. Now, now, were you born and raised there in uh, Singapore? Yes, 100% born and raised in Singapore. Now, what's the approximate population? You know, because some people think a lot of people, you know, Americans are, 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 you know, we Americans sometimes don't understand the geography of other places. We think, oh, you know, Japan, China, Singapore, Malaysia, it's all the same thing, all about the same size. But but Singapore is actually very, like, uh, you know, um, Real estate size is very, very small. Land, land mass size is very small, right? Yeah, uh, Singapore's just an island state, and um, we're just a small island off the southern tip of the uh, the Malaysian Peninsula, the Malay Peninsula. Um, we have a population of about five point seven million. Last I okay. read on a, a few days ago. Okay, all right. So, so kind of like you know the size of you know a larger city, you know, in other in other in other countries, but that's the entire country of Singapore now. You don't sell on on Amazon Singapore, but you buy on Amazon Singapore. Would that be correct, or, or do you do both? I used to sell a little bit on Amazon Singapore, uh, but I would say I'm more of a buyer than a seller. Okay. Now, you know, obviously, you being in Singapore is very convenient. I'm sure you get like same day or next day or something delivery. But can somebody like you know those countries that you mentioned, Thailand, you know, Malaysia, other countries, can they go on Amazon Singapore, purchase something, and it's shipped by FBA to Malaysia or to some of these other countries? Yeah, that's a very good question. I believe they can because I did hear of some of my friends from the neighboring countries buying something from Amazon Singapore. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. You know, that's very similar. You know, I just did a podcast recently, Amazon UAE. And yeah, of course, you know, UAE is the principal market, but, you know, people from other countries around UAE can actually go to that website and purchase. Same thing for Amazon Germany and things like that. Now, um, you yourself, your main marketplace is USA. I know you're, you, you know, you, you're part of like a coaching program over there in in Singapore. What would you say is the percentage of sellers there in Singapore who actually sell mainly in USA or mainly in Europe? You know, are we talking like ninety five percent of everybody they're they're all selling in a foreign marketplace, or there are some that are selling in Amazon Singapore? 
Um, again, very good question. And if I can um, go, in, go into a little bit more background, uh, I believe that there are two categories of Amazon sellers in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first category would be those who have existing businesses, you know, uh, and they want to probably put their products onto um, e-marketplaces uh, like, like Amazon, Lazada, Shopee, so on and so forth. The second category, uh, what I call the Amazon first entrepreneurs, um, people who found an opportunity with selling uh, on the Amazon USA and Europe marketplaces, went in, find a product that was suitable, you know, um, found a niche uh, mm-hmm. and went in to start selling. So I would say, um, if I could give a good guess, probably 80-20. Okay. So 20% for the first batch and 80% for the second category. What about you? Like how long have you been selling on Amazon USA? I started my Amazon business in uh, July 2020, so that would be slightly over two years now. Uh, okay. But I launched in December 2020, so yeah, I would say one and a half to two years, depending on what's the definition of started. All right, and and um, how's it been going for you? A lot of ups and downs. <laughs> it's been a roller coaster ride, really. Tell um, me, so tell, tell me. Let's start with the down. Tell me what's the what what's the some of the worst things that's happened to you. Uh, the worst things would be, I guess. Just things going wrong, like, uh, you know, the 3PLs uh, not cooperating, asking them to send a shipment into Amazon, and they just uh, totally went silent. You know, I even had a 3PL owner telling me to take my business elsewhere because I just politely asked him, um, you know, how long would it take? Because if, if, if uh, your 3PL can't handle my, uh, my, my fulfillment orders into Amazon, I might have to diversify my risk uh, into a couple more 3PLs. And he took that very personally. But I was just all about business, right? Um, that's one of the worst moments, I, I believe. Um, another moment would be when when I released a new product, which was doing really well. I started having three-star, one-star reviews complaining about uh, a certain functionality of the product. And then when I actually, at first I didn't believe it, right? I, I thought that it was like competitors sabotaging my, my listings and all. Uh, but I went to dig a little bit deeper and uh, I did some investigation. I realized that the investigation, sorry, not not investigation, the um, the quality control company that I hired to check to, to check the, the products uh, didn't do their job properly. <laughs> so that's another okay. down for me. And I would say... What about the positives though? Positives? A lot of yeah. positives. Um, I hit six figures in my first year, three, I think about three, four thousand. And awesome. I'm on track, on track to do about maybe seven hundred thousand by by end of this year. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, what what about the people in your community? Any any you know cool success stories that I mean, you don't have to say their specific name necessarily or their exact product, but but other people who live in Singapore who have had success selling in other countries. Yeah, I think uh, the, the 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 best success story I've heard so far. Uh, one of the members of our community. Uh, and this guy, he did it a little bit different because he was a business owner to begin with, not like a solo entrepreneur, but which most of us are, at least uh, here in Singapore. He he kind of built a team uh, around around uh, his Amazon business, and he scaled to I think a run rate of about three three to four thousand dollars a day in terms of sales within less than one and a half years. So I would say less than wow. two years, we're looking at about one to two million revenue for this guy. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So now. I'm going to be talking a little bit about this with a later guest here in this episode, but uh, I'm actually going, Jordan, to to Singapore in a few weeks. I was invited by Amazon Singapore to speak at an event there, and so it'd be great to get some some member some Helium Ten members 
uh, in your community. Let's get together for lunch or uh, let's meet up at that that conference. That sounds good. Yeah, definitely. Right. I can easily get what at, at least uh, 20, 30 people at, 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 at a drop of a ball. Pretty easy. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Now, completely not related to e-commerce. You know, I, I, whenever I travel, I love doing like touristy things. Top two things. I need to do in my two or three days in Singapore. You know, it could be, uh, you know, a place to visit. It could be like this hole in the wall restaurant that has the most amazing food you've ever had in your life. What should I do in my, my two or three days there? If, if I only can do like two or three things, maybe. Well, uh, I think the first thing that you want to do is visit Marina Bay Sands. Uh, I know it's like a very uh, prominent. That's where the Amazon conference is going to be, by the way, uh, guys, Marina Bay Sands is going to be where Amazon, the Amazon conference is perfect. Right. So I got uh, one right off the bat. <laughs> I love it. And, and the second is really about food, right? Singapore is all about food. Uh, we're very proud of our food heritage. So there's some there's a concept known as hawker centers, basically um, huge food courts, open air food courts with no air conditioning, uh, where a lot of uh, stores selling pretty affordable Singapore local food, right? Uh, you should go to any of these hawker centers. Don't go to the ones uh, right smack in town, like La Passat and all that. Go to the ones in the heartlands, you know, places like Old Airport Road, you know, uh, East Coast Park, or, or even, you know, uh, Bukit Merah. So go to the one in the heartlands. You will definitely have a time of your life. All right. Sounds complicated. So I'm going to have you maybe take me, uh, pick me up and take me there so I, I don't get lost uh, where I'm going. Yeah, sure. All right, now, if anybody, uh, you know, who's listening to this, maybe from the area, you know, uh, Singapore, Malaysia, that they, they want to reach out to you to, to, you know, see what kind of services you offer. How can they find you um, out there? How can they, how can they contact yours or website or how can they reach you? You can uh, drop me an email at jordan at amzfamily.com. That will be J-O-R-D-A-N at amzfamily.com. All right. Perfect, Jordan. I'll be seeing you in a couple weeks. And for the rest of you guys, um, stay tuned because I'll have info on that conference and how to sign up for that conference that I'll be attending. And then uh, hopefully Jordan will arrange like a a cool Helium 10 uh, meetup. All right. We'll see you in a, a little bit, Jordan. All right. See you in a while. All right, guys. So our next uh, guest we have in this special episode is is going to be no stranger to the show. He's been on the show a few times on his own with other people, but um, I wanted to bring him on this one because part of my trip that I'm telling you guys I'm doing, I'm not just going to speak in Singapore, but I'm actually going to be speaking in Vietnam at an Amazon event. I don't have full details on that yet, but it's going to be uh, October 31st. Those of you living in Vietnam um, and selling on Amazon, uh, you know, check out the Facebook group. You know, I'll have like a post there on how to how to uh, you know how to how to attend the event or or just check with Amazon and you'll probably see this event but it's on October 31st but I remembered that you know the last time we talked Ryan you actually had switched some of your manufacturing from China to Vietnam and so that's what I kind of like wanted to talk to you about because I think you know um, that might be intriguing to some you know so I think people you know always always think of China for manufacturing and if they would think of number two maybe they would think of India. Maybe if they're in textiles, they think of Pakistan, but you know, usually Vietnam is not one of the like top three places people think of, of, of sourcing from. So first of all, what triggered you to even look to that country for, for sourcing? Were you having issues in China or did, you know, did a friend recommend you or what happened there? Yeah, honestly, it really came down to the increased China tariffs. Um, I was paying an additional 25% on top of my normal rate, and mm-hmm. that got really expensive. So that gave me the incentive to look elsewhere. Okay, uh, that's that's a pretty valid uh, you know uh, incentive there, especially when it's a 25% you know increase uh, on that. And um, 
how, what was your first step? You know, did you have a sourcing agent? Did you just go to Alibaba? Uh, what did you do? Yes. Uh, so I did a Google search for a sourcing agent and I found an American expat that has been living in Vietnam for about 15 years. He specializes in the textile industry, which was one of my products. Uh, so I reached out to him and he works with a sourcing agency. I think he's a co-founder of the agency. And then they gave me a list of a couple of factories to uh, interview or look at. Um, and then I kind of went from there. Now, something, you know, me personally, I, I use sourcing agent, you know, for China, you know, as well. I think sourcing agent is kind of cool. And, and um, it sounds like you had good luck there, but I don't recommend necessarily guys going out there and Googling or just finding a random person because, you know, sometimes it's hit or miss, you know, it worked out well for Ryan, but then you might just be connected to somebody who's, who doesn't work well. It's usually best to, to, to do it by recommendations or somebody, you know, but one thing I do with my sourcing agent sometimes, even though, you know, I, I trust her and everything, but if something seems weird or a price, or I just want to have a, a range, I'll still like go to like 1688.com or I'll, I'll, I'll go to Alibaba and, and, you know, pull up some prices and, and compare. Is that something you did at all? Or you're just like, Hey, sourcing agent, take the wheel. I trust you 100% with, with getting the best price. Yeah. So actually there's another component to that. Um, once I got the pricing, I realized there was a couple factories on the list that had a discount of about 30% below my China manufacturing costs. So initially I was excited thinking I'm going to make so much extra profit. Um, yeah. But then I realized that, hey, wait a minute, there might be something going on here. So it just so happened that I have a friend from middle school that he's been living in China as a sourcing agent since 2013. So I asked him to go take a flight to Vietnam and visit these factories in person. And, you know, he did find some major issues with the cheapest ones on the list. Um, he did end up kind of sourcing his own factories um, while he was down there. Um, so that kind of, that, that really did save me is you have to have someone, whether it's yourself or someone you really trust, go out there in person to actually audit the factory. And you can also hire an inspection company too. They do these factory audits all the time um, to make sure that it's a legitimate place and clean and they have all the equipment. The well, labor, what was everything. like the issue? Um, I think he told me that one of the places just does not look like a factory at all. It's just like a dirt floor and doesn't really have the equipment. It was just uh -huh. basically a facade. Um, and I think that was the complaint for two of the, the two cheapest. And did you tell um, the sourcing agent then like, yo, what's the deal? You know, um, <laughs> like, do you even realize what kind of uh, company you're, you're suggesting to me or how, what happened there? Yeah. You know, I don't think I really followed up with those guys because it was more of like an introduction. The sourcing agency was just okay, making okay. an intro. They gave me the the contact information and everything. And I went from, from there. So um, it was just really cheap, like a hundred bucks per factory or something like that. Okay. Okay. Interesting. All right. So now you had a friend go visit the factory. I mean, obviously if you could have, you know, maybe you would have yourself. I know we can't do that for China now, but you know, Vietnam is a, is an open country. Uh, it takes like three days to get a visa. I just, I just went through that process myself, but I, I like that tip about visiting it. So then, you know, you had your friend, you know, vet, vet this out. What, what was the next steps in your, in your Vietnam sourcing journey? Yeah. So actually, um, one of the things that the original sourcing agent recommended is to get a tech pack or a technical specification file created for your product. It's a file that lists every single component that makes up your product with like the size, uh, the sizing and every single thing that you can think of, like basically a recipe step-by-step -step of everything that your 
product is made of um, so that it's easy to translate for the factory to, to understand what components are needed for your product. And it also shows the factory in Vietnam that you understand your product and you know like every single component that goes in into it because I, I was warned that there are some factories out there in Vietnam that they know the reason why people want to go into Vietnam is to avoid mm -hmm. the China tariff. And they yep. also are very familiar with what prices are in China. So you'll kind of get taken advantage of a little bit if you're not acting like you're a big player. And so mm -hmm. one of the ways to do that is to have your technical specification files created for each of your products you sell. Um, so I did that. And I also sent a physical sample to the factories. They recreated their own sample. Um, we got a quote, we agreed upon the terms, and then we just went into production. Is are, are terms and things very similar, you know, like, you know, standard, I think for most, uh, you know, depending on how long you've been with a company, it's like, all right, let's put 30% down. And then, you know, there are other 70% upon completion before shipment and, and things like that. Is that pretty much standard over there as well? Or is there any differences? Yeah, that is pretty standard. Um, I think I negotiated the same terms that I had with China factory where it was like 10% deposit, uh, 60% right like one week before it lands in the USA and then the remaining 30% 30 days after it has arrived in the USA and, and Vietnam gave oh, me okay. those terms. And you using a local inspection, like how did you find an inspection company to, to, to check on the product before it ships? So I actually used my friend. He ended up liking Vietnam so much that he moved there and now he's a sourcing agent in Vietnam for the last couple of years. This is the middle, the middle school friend uh, of yours? It is. Yeah. Yeah. He, he really enjoyed Vietnam. So he's now a Vietnamese sourcing agent. Um, so I, I relied on him, but I know that there's inspection companies all over the world. There's hundreds of them. So I'm sure, sure that that part is not difficult to find um and they've usually been pretty reasonably priced so i don't think that's a hurdle at all how about the shipping process is it pretty much standard like hey you know it was able to be loaded on a container right away and the shipping total transit time is is about the same as when you were sourcing from china or are there any differences there yeah, it was pretty much the same as China. Um, actually, during the COVID spike of container rates, I really didn't see much. Like, I was—I think the most I ever paid was eighteen thousand for a forty-foot container, and I know other people were paying twenty-five or thirty or forty thousand dollars. So I don't know if it was just the route from Vietnam, or I don't know what happened there. But everything else works pretty much the same. The you just—I'm even using my same exact. Uh, freight forwarder that I use for China. Um, they have okay. their own agents in Vietnam. So everything was the same. Now, in general, there is a lot less infrastructure in Vietnam. So that's one thing to look out, like the ports, the roads, the highways, the trucking. Like I've heard that it can be a little more difficult, but I personally didn't experience any of those challenges myself. Okay. Um, now, this was a product you were already sourcing and selling. So there, I'm, you know, I'm assuming there was kind of commingling of inventory at one point or another, but whether, did you ever get any issues where, where the, you know, a, a customer might've complained about you like, Hey, this is, looks a little bit different or was like, you're like, maybe none of your customers even ever noticed that there was a manufacturer change because it was kind of seamless. Yeah. So I actually did this on uh, two different brands. So the first brand was successful. There was really no issues, no difference between China and Vietnam. Uh, the second brand, I did have one product in particular where they didn't use a strong enough nail. They kind of used more like a staple to attach these two pieces of wood or bamboo together. Um, so that did actually- This must not be issues. the textile product. And it, 
It is not. It's the second brand. Okay, I was about I, to say, like, what, what kind of what kind of clothing are you putting nails into? I'm not sure this is a great right. clothing uh, brand idea here. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Continue. So on that second brand, that product was uh, they just used some cheap materials to attach the products, which everything looks fine, and and I guess it's on me. I did not actually like do a drop test or or try to damage the product and see how it held up. Um, but that's something we noticed after it was sending to customers, we were getting like 20% uh, of the products were arriving damaged to the customers. And once oh, it's wow. taken apart, you see what was holding it together and you're like, it, the customer was kind of upset. So you do need to kind of watch out for that stuff. Make sure you do the, the standard, like a drop test and other things that you would normally do. Um, I, I guess I just okay. forgot about that part. L- let's say that one day, you know, the, the, these tariffs are no more, are no longer like, are you going to take your manufacturing back to China? Are you going to take your new products to China? Or are you like permanently like, hey, X percent of my stuff I want to make in, in Vietnam? What, what's your plan there? Yeah, I'm not married to Vietnam right now because this second brand, because of those issues, they also have like capacity issues at the factory. So things were delayed. So I, that is a common theme with Vietnam. So I, I haven't gotten... Um, we're in the process of finding another factory to work with, but uh, if the tariffs were to go back to zero, I might just stay with China because another thing is that a lot of your components have to come from China. So you might have longer lead time in Vietnam because they have to source the product the components in China, mm. then export them to Vietnam, receive them before they can even start production. So, I mean, a workaround for that is maybe there's an opportunity for you to buy bulk your components from China and then store the extra in Vietnam. Cause that's super, super cheap. I think the factory can even store it for you in, in a lot of cases. Um, Interesting. and that way, when you do want to do a production run, you already have the raw materials ready to go and you can probably shorten your, overall lead time so with all that said uh i'm not super married to vietnam but the 25 percent is a major incentive currently okay now you know you obviously uh you know we learned on other podcasts you know speak chinese can can just talk directly to you know chinese factories and stuff uh you know i'm assuming you cannot speak vietnamese uh and and your your middle school friend was was you know I'm assuming can't, you know, at least at the time speak Vietnamese. How's communication with, with factories over there? Like is, is the, uh, the language barrier the, the same as if you're just randomly, you know, like me, I can't speak Chinese. Like, so I have some, somewhat of a language barrier, but a lot of people, you know, m- most factories over there, almost every factory in China that I know of has at least somebody, you know, who can you know speak decent English. Uh, is that similar to Vietnam? So it's actually worse in Vietnam. Um, like in China, I've always communicated in English with every correspondence in every factory I worked with. But in Vietnam, I find that it's actually more rare for people on their staff to speak English. Um, hmm. So I think that's where a sourcing agent kind of helps because they're local. They live there. Uh, my friend, um, he actually hired someone uh, that actually ironically worked for that sourcing agent that um, I started with. And that person is really the translator and and goes in, along with my friend to the factory to make the translation. Um, okay. So yeah, I think it is a little more of a hurdle. Also, like email communications, it was a lot longer to get a response than from China. So that is definitely a hurdle. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. You know, I know uh, people sometimes are looking for alternatives to China. You know, be it because of the taxes or be it because you know COVID situations or whatever. But but if you haven't considered it, you know, maybe try and uh, you know start looking into Vietnam for, for sourcing. 
All right, well, Ryan, thank you for giving us your insights on sourcing in Vietnam, and and maybe we'll see you in Vietnam uh, soon. I miss you at Selling Scale because you were on vacation, but uh, maybe I will, uh, we'll link up over there. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, so our next guest we have here coming to us from Singapore is Jeremy. Jeremy, how's it going? Great, man. It's great to be on. All right, so I like. I know it's a big difference, so a uh, time difference to to come on here. So I appreciate you uh, <laughs> you coming up at near midnight here. All right, so before we get started, I want to make sure people can um, can come out to where we are we are going to be uh, all meeting. You're, you're going to be going to that Singapore conference, right? That's coming up. Okay, so guys, I have both links now. Um, H10.me forward slash sing s i n g. Uh, that's a link for the uh, Singapore conference where I'll be speaking at. And then, you know, for those who um, are in Vietnam, uh, a couple days later, I think it's on the 31st, uh, the 31st of October, uh, I'll be speaking at an Amazon event in Vietnam. And that link to get more information to register there is h10.me forward slash Vietnam. Um, no spaces in there. So just make sure to sign up to one of those events. But real quick, let's just get your your quick story about how you you know uh, how you got into e-commerce. Okay, it, it has been a roller coaster ride for us in the beginning. Uh, we saw some friends is doing well, so we wanted a little bit more uh, scalable because uh, back then uh, we started actually uh, before actually before COVID, we mm-hmm. see a gap in um, aroma, aromatic experience uh, with um, with um, like. Uh, uh, because it, it was started uh, when we saw a gap in, in, in that area whereby um, a lot of the um, aromatic experience is actually in hotel areas or even in shopping centers or even in uh, um, uh, the airport. So we wanted to bring this experience back um, to more household and make it more accessible. And that's how we actually uh, chosen the e-commerce route uh, for, for this because um, uh, e-commerce is really uh, a growing industry. So it's a trend. So we see nowadays people are actually uh, knows about online and are shopping online. So um, that's how we started. But of course, um, during the COVID, it actually gave us a, a great boost. Uh, but even there's no COVID, uh, e-commerce is actually a growing industry. So we felt uh, that it isn't that difficult to explore and learn about digital marketing. Hence, we just uh, dove into it. What yeah. do you mean by aromatic experience? Aromatic experience, we are dealing with uh, home fragrance. Uh, so fragrance product like uh, essential oils or even like mm, okay. um, diffusers, candles, etc. That's that's what we are actually dealing with. Okay. And then you're, you're uh, you know, being based in Singapore, what was the first marketplace though that you uh, opened? Was it Amazon USA or or was it Amazon Singapore or where Amazon did you start Singapore. calling? We started with Amazon Singapore, uh, but okay. unfortunately, uh, Amazon Singapore wasn't the top five e-commerce Uh Amazon actually basically uh, it's it's better in the US. They are of course number one in US. Mm-hmm. So we decided to actually uh, given the, the the US market is is pretty bigger, much much bigger than uh, Singapore. So we decided to actually venture in the US eventually. So how many marketplaces are you selling in now? Uh, are you still selling in Singapore? And then there's obviously Amazon USA. Any other Amazon or other uh, marketplaces? In, uh, Amazon Canada. Uh, Mexico is actually we do the cross border as well as uh, Amazon okay. UK, and then so as as you know being a f- uh, you know foreign based company, are you having to use three PL in America to to store your product, or are you shipping everything directly to Amazon? 
Uh, initially, we ship everything to to Amazon, but uh, after which uh, we after the, you know you know there's a supply chain issue after COVID issue, so we started to actually use three PL. Now, uh, we had a a three PL that is actually doing uh for our warehouse in both Canada and uh, US. We have another one that is actually doing for us in in UK. So yes, we use three PL for all three countries. Okay, excellent, excellent. Now, what, you know the the, the year is not over. But you know, uh, do you have any projection on what you're going to end your your sales with uh, this year? Uh, we are on track. In fact, uh, the 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 happy news is we are on track to uh, our first uh, seven figure. Okay, uh, for our uh, brand. Mm-hmm. So right now we 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 hope to actually cross uh one point five uh million for okay. uh, this year. All right. Now you know not not anybody can just you know reach that number, or you can't just be lucky completely and always, you know, uh, reach that number. Yeah. So what are some of the, what, what do you, what are some of the unique strategies you think that you're doing that has helped you reach there? You know, not just like, Oh, uh, I'm keeping my a cost low or, Hey, you know, I'm giving good customer service or, you know, like the, just the basic things, but like, what's something that you think you're doing? That's, you know, may, maybe at least, you know, 80, 90% of sellers, maybe they're not doing as well as you that has allowed you to have that kind of success. I think uh, for us, we uh, a lot of people probably make the wrong decision to fall in love with with the product uh, because in, in, in what we do in our process, uh, we look at what the demand that is actually already on Amazon. So we we we, we followed actually. Um, I think I think it's not um, it's not stranger to you guys. Uh, for uh, we we are like in the in the sellers uh, uh, seller system uh, support group as well. So uh, basically, we, we look at uh, demand that's actually on, on Amazon. And, and Brandon's uh, mantra is actually we, we cannot create demands on, on Amazon. So since we can't create it, we, we, we work within it. Uh, so we look at actually a lot of uh, like the top sellers uh, in our niche, uh, how they are getting their sales. Once we have an idea on how the best sellers are getting their sales, we, we, we kind of actually have our, we do a little bit of uh, data uh, mining for our site, uh, like we 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 put a little bit of formulas to it and and build a relevant keyword, uh, what we call it the master keyword list, uh, because there's a lot of relevant keywords that uh there's a lot of opportunity uh which our competitors are not uh driving at it, so the things we want to avoid it's uh people that uh does not have search in it, so we found that uh for our niche we 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 had a lot of discovery uh keywords so we try to rank on them and and help to. Uh, create a visibility and there uh, from there we, we we see ourselves easily on page one is because we have we cast our net wide enough uh, I think the key thing here is relevance uh, the relevancy has to be there uh, that's how we understand a little bit on the Amazon algorithm uh, so that's that's how I think we we focus uh, a lot on um, uh, where we are ranking at the keywords as well uh, do we have have we cast the net wide enough to to touch base with more uh, keywords? Uh, so so that is basically the 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 generic thing that we actually do uh, as a whole. It's it's a, it's a very important process for us. So did you did you stop selling in Amazon Singapore or do you still have that uh, going? We still have that of, of ongoing, but it's uh, I would say it's not really our focus mm-hmm. uh, because uh, they are actually still growing in Singapore. Okay. Uh, but our main goal, in fact, we are doing really well in in US and Canada, so that will be our flagship. 
uh, stores. So, so this, but but then what do you do? Like, how, how do you get inventory into Singapore? Because you know, obviously, most of your inventory is going to USA. So, do you just like, uh, you know, divert some of it when you make new batches and send to the the warehouses in Singapore? Oh, okay. Because we 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 do we do actually do wholesale in Singapore as well. So, okay. um, so there's certain batch of goods actually coming from um from our factories to Singapore. Uh, and and the store here, we we sell to retails, um, retails, uh, brick and mortar stores here in Singapore, as well as we have uh, other um, e-commerce website uh, or platforms, uh, that we are selling as well. Uh, they are like Shopee, Lazada, all that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I talked to somebody else on this uh, this episode about about some of those other some of those other websites all right well uh, i look forward to uh meeting you uh in person talking more about the you know the singapore market and then you know some of your some of your wins and losses and in, in selling yes, in america yes. congratulations on your success and uh and we'll be seeing you soon thank you bradley i hope to see you soon as well